I'm really excited in terms of this this new season and what it is that God has for us and um, and where it is that He's going to take us. You know, as I was sharing um, at the at the start of the service um, and thinking about this year, those two things really came to mind. The, the first being that word expansion and that this sense that that God wants to 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 take us into to new things um, through this year. And this sense of expansion in terms of seeing people saved in terms of our own lives and our own experience of him, uh, in terms of the impact we're able to have on the community as a church in, in every different way, this sense of, of what God is wanting to, to take us into and how that, that fits with what God seems to be speaking nationally and prophetically, um, you know, with particularly with some of the things coming out through the advanced group, but also a number of different networks and this kind of heart and belief that, that as God's going to move this year, we're going to see unprecedented numbers of thousands of people giving their lives to Jesus. And there's going to be an expansion in God's kingdom, which is it's exciting. And I want to encourage you to be praying um, and to be seeking God in terms of that. But, but a key part that I feel our role is to play, because, you know, when we talk in terms of that, one of the things I find is it's great. And we kind of go, yes. And then we kind of go, but what does that really mean? You know, what does that really look like? What do we, how do we fit in terms of that? And it can be hard to understand how we relate to that. It can be hard to understand our role in that. Uh, and so it, it's kind of one of those things which we just kind of go, yes, and then we forget about because what, what does it mean for us personally? And, and so as I've been asking God where we fit, what our focus is to be this year, what our role is to play, how we partner with him in his expansion of his kingdom, it comes back to that second simple thing, which is prayer. And so I believe that God is calling us as a church to a year of prayer. Not that we um, we haven't been praying in the past and then we're kind of going to start it now. Uh, and not that it's just for this year and then after this year we'll kind of forget about it. Um, not that we're going to stop other things that we're, we're doing. But just that simple call to make our primary focus, our priority this year prayer. And, um, you know, for some of you, when you think about that, you'll be excited and you'll go, yes, this is exactly what I've been, been wanting and hoping for. And this is my heart and, and this is what I'm about. And for others of you, you know, prayer might be something that you kind of feel, well, you know, I know I should be praying, but actually I find it really hard. I don't find it easy. It's not something that comes naturally uh, to me. For others of you, you might be there saying, well, I've, I've tried praying in the past and it didn't really seem to make a lot of difference or I'm not even really sure if there's somebody there who I can be praying to. But I imagine we'll all have our own things that we're bringing to, to the table when it comes to prayer. Because no matter where we're at, you know, even those of, of you here who might not believe in Jesus, every single one of us has experiences when it comes to prayer. We, we, we have our own stories of joy or disappointment or confusion. We have stories of, of family members who've prayed and nothing happened, so why should we bother? We all have our own different things that we, we bring to the table when it comes to, to, to prayer. You know, we bring our own experiences. And so I need to be really honest with you and say, I'm in that same boat too. I bring my own experiences. I bring my own stories of joys and disappointments and confusion. You know, I'm not standing here as an expert in prayer, as somebody who, who finds prayer easy all the time. You know, there are times when, 
when I kind of come alive in prayer and it's a real joy and it's just natural. But you know, more often than that probably are those times when prayer is hard. Are those times when I just find my mind wandering and I get distracted, when I'm not really sure what to pray, when I'm not really sure where God is in the midst of it, where I'm trying to work out, you know, how it all kind of fits. You know, I know that there are a, a, quite a number of people here in this church who are better at prayer than I am. And I praise God for the fact that we have some fantastic prayers in this church. But, you know, equally, I have never met a person who believes that they pray enough, but let alone too much. And I've never met a person who believes that their prayers are too powerful or too effective because they're just seeing everything happening all the time in answers to prayers that they, they, they pray. And if that's the case, then every single one of us, no matter where we're at, whether we're, we're somebody who says, yes, I come alive in prayer, or we're someone who says, prayer's really hard and I'm not even really sure where to start, every single one of us is in the same boat because we've all got something to learn. We've all got ways that we need to grow. We all have new things that God is wanting to release us into in prayer. You know, we say that we exist to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. That that's what we're about. And if we're going to see God at work transforming our own lives and bringing about change within us, and then see God at work transforming the lives of others, you know, if you want to see change in the lives of your loved ones or friends or neighbors, people that you're longing to see God work in their lives, then let me tell you that prayer is powerful, and prayer is transformational, and it is the starting point of it all. You know, um, I think God wants to capture our hearts with prayer this year, and he wants to lead us into to new dimensions of prayer and, and new ways of praying. You know, no matter whether prayer is something that is weird, weird and alien to you, or prayer is something that you've been doing for years and years and years, you know, many of you will have heard of Billy Graham, an um, amazing man of God, amazing follower of Jesus, who, who God worked through to see uh, literally millions of people come to know him as he traveled around the world sharing the good news of Jesus. You know, he, he was even an advisor to presidents. This is a, an amazing man who had a phenomenal question, and he was asked in an interview, if you could do anything differently, what all of the great things that Billy Graham saw God do that he would simply spend more time in prayer, more time investing in his personal relationship with Jesus. You know, Charles Spurgeon is, a, is another great man of God. Um, he led a church of um, over 10,000 people in London back in the 1800s. And uh, he saw God work in amazing ways, not only within the church, but outside of it as they, they worked with the poor right across the city. Uh, and his preaching and his teaching was so powerful that he was given the nickname, the Prince of Preachers. Uh, and he said this, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. Because he understood the power of prayer. 
And the fact that he talks about teaching someone to pray can seem strange to us because so often when we talk about prayer and when someone comes to faith, we kind of simplify prayer down to simply, well, it's just talking with God. You just talk to God like you talk to, to a friend. So you, you don't need me to teach you. Just get on with it. Just do it. Just, just talk to him. You can talk to him anytime, anywhere, any place. You know, and there's a lot of truth in that. You know, prayer is something that all of us can do. We don't need complicated words and formulas. We don't need these, these different things. But at the same time, we do need to be taught how to pray. There is learning and there is growth involved with prayer. You know, and we see this with Jesus and his followers. Uh, Jesus' followers grew up as Jewish people. They grew up as people who prayed day in, day out. They were always people who prayed. Prayer wasn't anything new to them. And yet as they traveled with Jesus, they saw him day in and day out withdrawing to spend time alone with God. They, they heard him day in and day out as he prayed out loud to his Father in heaven. You know, when Jesus prayed, there was an intimacy with God and there was an authority from God in his prayer that made his followers go, wow, I've got a lot to learn. I wish I had a prayer life like that. Until we read this in Luke 11. It says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus doesn't turn around and say, what do you mean teach you to pray? Praying's just talking with God. You just talk to him like a friend. You don't need me to teach you to pray. Just, Just get on with it. No, he turns around, okay. I'll teach you to pray. When you pray, pray like this. And actually, when you, you look at the teaching of Jesus through the Gospels, there is a lot of teaching to do with prayer. He doesn't begin with the assumption that prayer is simple or that it's easy. He begins with the assumption that we need help, that we need to learn, and that it can be confusing and it can be hard. I don't know about you, but that is comforting to me because that is much more my experience than that it's just simple and it's easy all the time. And so my heart as we start this year is simply that we would own that. And we would simply come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. I've been doing my best. But it's hard. I don't always know what to say. I don't always know how to pray. And I can, I can struggle. I feel like my mind wanders and goes this way and that way. And I don't always feel like my prayers are making much of a, a difference. But I know that you call us to pray. And I know that you promise to answer our prayers. And so teach me to pray. Oh Lord, I've been praying for years and I know that prayer is powerful and I've seen you move in great ways and and I know that it makes a difference when I pray, but when I read the prayers in your word and I see the way that you respond or when I read about the great men and women of faith in history and the amazing answers to prayer that they saw, I go, wow, I wish my prayer life was like that. 
Because even in the midst of my prayer, even though I've been praying for years and I believe it all, I'm not seeing what they saw. And so, Lord, teach me to pray. I've got more to learn. I need to grow. And so really, as we start this year, we want to do everything that we can as a church to help you to come to Jesus and say, teach, teach us to pray. And part of that is going to be me just talking about prayer on a Sunday morning and, uh, you know, simply to help us to explore something of, of God's word and, and how he teaches us in different types of prayer and different aspects of, of prayer. But I am really aware that a heart and a passion for something is something that is caught so often more than it is taught. And so as we go through this series, I want to make space for people to be able to come and share their stories and share their experiences, to share, to be real and honest, not just, you know, all the the great times, but to be real and honest about the joys and the disappointments and the confusion to be real and honest about the times when they've seen answers to prayer and the times when it's simply just been an awareness of God with them and carrying them and, and all the different ways that prayer works. So if you have stories, if you've got parts of prayer that you're passionate about or experiences that you think it would be great to share and feed into this, and I'd love you to, to grab me and chat to me or drop me an email with, with what it is and so we can see where that might fit and how you might have an opportunity to share that as, as we kind of go through this year to encourage people and to help us to, to learn how it is we can grow in prayer. I'm also really aware that we can come out of the other end and know it all and it made no difference whatsoever if we don't put any of it into practice. And so I want to create as many opportunities from every angle that we can for you to be putting prayer into practice because one of the main ways that we grow in prayer is as we pray. And that's why there's all the different things that I talked about at the start of the service with the, the prayer and fasting, with the, the prayer course through the growth groups, so the try praying booklets, and the different ways for you to try and, and engage in prayer and put into practice the things that we're talking about. Trusting that as you do that, Jesus, as you invite him to, will teach you to pray in a deeper way. And so I'm really excited about what God has in, in store for us this year together, but also for you and me personally, because this is as much something that I want to grow in as it is something that I want us to, to grow in. And I am convinced that prayer is the foundation for everything that God is wanting us to step into. Um, let me say it as clearly as I can before I go on to kind of pull out a few points in, in terms of prayer to get us started. You know, there is nothing more important or more powerful than prayer. It is the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. It is the difference between the possible and the impossible. It is the difference between intimacy in your relationship with him and ignorance. It is the difference between fear and faith, between success and failure. It is the difference between the best that you can do and the best that God can do. And there's a big difference between those two things. 
I said, I don't know where you are at when it comes to prayer and how you feel about it and what your kind of response is, but I want to encourage you just to make your mantra this year every day to sit down and say, Jesus, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. I've got more to learn, more to grow in. Teach me to pray. And as we go through this series, we'll look at all sorts of different aspects and types of prayer and ways that we can engage with it. But to help us get started, I just want to look at a couple of simple things um, this morning. I want to look at uh, two obstacles to prayer and two promises in prayer. The first obstacle that I think can so often hold us back in prayer and needs to be dealt with is a wrong view of God. And often this is something that is subconscious. It's not something that if somebody asked us the question, we wouldn't say this was the case. It's not something that we would, would, would kind of put into words. But we can have a wrong view of God. And, and we see that because of the way that it impacts our relationship with him and it impacts how we pray. So I think the, our prayer life reveals to us so much of what's really going on on the inside in terms of what we actually think of, of who God is. You know, we can see God as, as distant or angry and not interested in us. We can see him as, as this kind of guy in the sky. Almost like, you know, we, we talk of God as father, but we think about our own kids and how when they come and ask us for things and, and we don't want to give it to them. And so they kind of pester us and try and twist our arm. And, and we can think of God in that kind of way as this guy we've got to come to in prayer and twist his arm and try and, and kind of make him want to do something for us and, and kind of force the situation. It's someone we've got to try and impress and kind of look good enough and be good enough and speak the right words. But Jesus says this in Matthew 6, verse 7. He says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And when Jesus uses the word many here, it could also be translated as anxious, so anxious words. And, and so the, the kind of impression that you get is that Jesus is saying, don't have a view of God that means that when you come to him, you, 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 you have to try and impress him. You have to try and persuade him to care, to twist his, his arm. Don't come to, to God in that kind of a way where, where you're, you're, you're scared and anxious that if you don't use the right words or pray for the right length of time or have the right kind of formula that he's not going to hear and he's not going to answer. Because instead Jesus says, come to God as your loving father who already knows what you need before you even ask him. So you don't have to try and persuade him to care for you or to impress him or to twist his arm because you have been adopted as God's son or his daughter. And so we come to to God as our father knowing that he loves us, knowing that he's already aware of every issue we're facing, of everything that we're going to bring to him in prayer. When we, we pray, it's not about making him aware of stuff he doesn't know so that he'll do something about it. When we pray, it's about us coming to him in order to receive from him what we need in that moment. 
because he already knows it and he's just waiting for us to come to him as a loving father who knows what we need before we ask him. We come to him as our, our father and we come to him as our king who has power to do something about it. And as we ask Jesus to teach us to pray, part of it is simply asking him to give us a right view of who God is. That we would have a right understanding of how amazing he is and his love for us. The second obstacle that I think can hold us back in prayer is a wrong view of ourselves. And essentially, what I mean by this is that in normal Life in day-to-day stuff that we do, we just don't think we need his help. We know in our heads that we do. We know in our heads that we're taught that we're reliant on him and that we're dependent on him and that he's the one who provides everything. But actually, when it boils down to it, in the day-to-day stuff that we feel is under our control and that, that we're secure in, we just don't feel like we need his help. And so the way that we live tells a very different story. And the way that we pray tells a very different story than what we say we believe, which is that we're reliant on him. We think we have life under control and that we've got it all sorted and we can handle whatever the world throws at us. So why do we need to pray? Or we feel like we're actually, we're pretty good people and, you know, compared to others, we don't really sin. And so, you know, we try to be nice and, and we're, we're, we're pretty good on our own. And so why, why do I need to pray? But this idea that we're in control or that we can rely on ourselves and we don't need God's help is ultimately pride. And God tells us again and again and again in his word that he opposes the proud. And that is a scary place to be. He warns us that it's when we think we're standing firm that we're at our most vulnerable and likely to fall. All the things that leave us feeling secure, you know, whether it be your job or your relationships or the money in the bank account, you know, whatever it is, all of the things that leave us feeling secure can disappear in the space of one phone call. And to overcome this obstacle of pride, we need to humble ourselves and come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. Teach us how we need you. Teach us how to rightly see ourselves and our situation. How we really are completely reliant on you. Move that from just being a fact that I would agree with as part of my my statements of belief to being something that I live out and impacts me day to day. Because when I get that right view of myself, how how can I not pray? How can you not pray? There are obviously other obstacles, and we'll touch on different things as we go through it on other days. But on a a more positive note, let's move on to some promises before we run out of time, because let's leave us encouraged rather than kind of feeling a little bit glum. You know, the first is that, that God invites you to come. He invites you to draw close to him and to enter into his presence. What I love about this It's simply that you're not an unwanted guest. 
you know, it, sometimes people come and stay and it kind of feels like they overstay their welcome. And, you, you, you know, they, they've come around for a bit and um, then you say, you know, I kind of need to put the kids to bed now. And um, so it's been great seeing you. And you kind of ask the clue to, to kind of go and they just don't move. And then you kind of come down from having put the kids to bed and they're still there. And you're like, well, what do I do? You know, or they've come to stay for a few days and then they kind of just say, well, I'm going to stay a little bit longer. Sometimes people stay, overstay their welcome and they're an unwanted guest. You know, God never sees you like that. You can come to him day after day after day with the same thing. And he never gets tired. He never gets worn down. He never gets fed up. He always says, you're welcome. Come to me. No matter who you are. This is what he says in Isaiah 55 verse 1. It says, come. All you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And wine here is a symbol of joy and milk is a symbol of strength. And so God is, what he's doing here in this statement is he's taking away all of our excuses and saying, come. You know, so often we can subconsciously think, and again, these aren't things that we put into words, these aren't things we would actively say that we believe, but but they just affect what's really going on inside of us. And so, so often we can subconsciously think, you know what, I don't deserve that. I I don't deserve to be able to come into God's presence. I I need to kind of um, make up for all of the wrong things that I've I've done and the fact that I haven't prayed for the last three days. I, I need to really make up for it today. I need to kind of pay my way with my relationship with God. I don't feel like I'm worthy. And that's why God says, come all you who are thirsty, if you're hungry, if you need strength, if you need joy, come to me and you are welcome. And what you receive, you can buy without money. What you can receive is is without cost. What he's saying is, I'm taking away all your excuses that you would make up to say that you can't come, the things that you don't have, that you feel you should have, and I'm saying, come to me as you are and receive joy and strength. Let me, let me satisfy you because I've paid the price in Jesus. I love you. Draw near to me. Isn't that fantastic? That no matter what we've done, no matter how we have failed, God invites us to come. And he never withdraws the invitation. There's never a point where his patience runs out. There's no price that we have to pay. We don't have to try and make up for our failures because he's paid the price for us and he simply invites us to come. The second promise is this. When you pray, God hears you. And I say that statement, and probably not one of you in this room is shocked. Because we just take it for granted. But actually, this is shocking. And it's amazing. The creator of the universe is paying attention to you. His eyes and his ears are attuned to you. He listens when you talk to him and he takes action in response to what you say. You know, this is what we read in Isaiah 30 verses 18 to 19. 
says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. God longs to be gracious to you. We're not there twisting his arm, his desire, his heart, his longing is to, to bless you and to give you good things. And when he hears, he responds to your prayers. In fact, elsewhere we read that God delights in our prayers, that it brings him joy when we pray. He loves it when we come to him in prayer and he loves it when we ask him for things. We're not being a nuisance, we're bringing a smile to his face. Why? And I think it's because when we look to God in prayer, two things are happening. And they are the opposite of the two obstacles in prayer. When we look to God in prayer, we are recognizing how much we need him. And so we're humbling ourselves. And we're coming to God and we're saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. And he has grace for the humble. And the second thing is that we're showing God that he is our hope. And so we are honoring him because we're recognizing that he is the answer. That he has everything that we need. And so God, the creator of the universe, is attentive to our prayers and he loves our prayers and they bring him joy and delight. Because when we look to him, we honor him and we say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. But you're the one who's got everything. You're the one my hope is in. You are the answer. And he brings a great smile to his face. And he hears our prayers and he responds to them. And sometimes as much as we are familiar with this and we take it for granted, I think we just need to stop. And we need to take a step back and think about how amazing this is. How amazing it is that the creator of the universe pays that much attention to you and to me. And so I want to encourage you this year to just simply engage with God in prayer. To humble yourself and say, Jesus, teach me to pray. And as part of that, then don't assume that just because you've been praying for years, you've nailed it and there's nothing more to learn. Engage with the different tools and the resources that are available, the different things we're going to try and bring in to help us to put this into practice and to grow. Take part in the the weeks of, of prayer and fasting and ask God to teach you fresh things about prayer so that, so that you grow deeper in your relationship with him. So the end of, of your life, when you're asked what would you do differently, your regret wouldn't be not having spent time with Jesus. So that you can grow in your relationship with him, you can experience deeper transformation from him, and you can see his, him working in response to your prayers to bring about change and transformation in others. And if you're going to engage in prayer, then let me encourage you to start by making some choices and some decisions. Because intentions very quickly dissipate and disappear if we don't make decisions. And so let me encourage you to make some choices 
about what you want to do and the changes that you want to make and to write them down, to make them concrete and to share them with somebody so that they can help you to follow through. I'll give you a couple of practical suggestions to help as you think about what that might look like. So here's the first one. They'll pop up here too. The first thing is simply just choose a set time or a number of times each day that you are going to pray. And be realistic with it. Don't try and say, well, I've not been doing any prayer for for the last kind of year or two. It's just something that I've let drop. And so now I'm going to do an hour a day at 5 a.m. in the morning and it's going to be amazing. It won't. Be realistic, but make a choice and make a decision about a set time in the day or a number of times. It might be that you want to say, well, I'm going to do, I I, I really struggle to focus for a long period of time. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a number of different, just five minute slots through the day. Maybe I'll do one in the morning and one at lunch and one in the evening so that through the day I'm constantly coming back to Jesus and saying, teach me to pray. I need you. I can't do this without you. You're the one I'm looking to for my hope. Whatever it is, just make those set times. Maybe if it, if it helps you, put them into your calendar or set a reminder on your phone or an alarm to go off to say, this is a point when I'm going to pray. So it doesn't just get lost. But whatever it is, make a choice about the time you want to set aside each day to pray. Number two, use the resources. You know, I think sometimes one of the things that I've been guilty of is having the best of intentions, and, um, but kind of thinking that I know stuff. And I think sometimes we've just got to say, Lord, I want to make the most of every resource that you, you give us in order to help me to grow and to learn. I want to recognize that there's a lot I don't know, more that I don't know than what I do. And so use the resources. And along with the, the, the kind of sheet with prayer points for prayer and fasting that we normally do when we have these different weeks, I've also put at the back there next to it um, another sheet with prayer points that I've adapted from a, a guy called Mike Bickle who's uh, does some amazing teaching around prayer. Um, he heads up the International House of, of Prayer. And I've adapted it. And, and it, that sheet is, is called uh, 10 Prayers to Strengthen Your Inner Man. And um, it's just an amazing prayer. And I want to encourage you just to take those and to pray them. And maybe pray all of them every day. Or maybe actually if that's too much, just take one and pray, work through them. And pray a different one each day as you go through them. But recognize that not only when we pray do we need to be praying for others, but actually we need Jesus' help and we need to be praying for ourselves and to allow him to strengthen us and to transform us and to help us and to change us. And so use the different resources, whether to try praying and the different things, but particularly over this next week, so take away the, the prayer points and I'll send them out on an email if you prefer getting them that way but there's, there's paper ones um, at the back there and then the last one for today and I'm sure we'll have more practical things other weeks but the last one for today is just to get away from your phone or your tablet or any kind of electronic devices because so often they interrupt and distract us don't they you know they can be brilliant tools but it is so easy for us just to get that kind of pull to just pick it up and check it. And then before we know it, even though we were checking it for something else, we find ourselves wasting the time we would have been praying, scrolling through Facebook or, or something similar. You know, I've, I've had my times of reading my Bible on the phone and different things, and it's great having my Bible on the phone, but my goodness me, it is a nightmare when it comes to distractions. 
You know, so I encourage you, if you want to really set aside time to pray, get away from your electronic devices so that you can really focus on Jesus. 